Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello and welcome to Ponderland. Tonight we are talking about education. Didn't really like education myself. It's just sort of a coercive indoctrination of a brilliant young mind. So I think, do I really need to know all this? Like, <laughs> I think I like best about school is when a teacher don't turn up when you've got a lesson and for some reason, for some bizarre administrative quirk, there is no teacher for about half an hour. Oh my gosh, the teacher's not gonna come. There's no teacher, there's no teacher. Everything goes a bit mental in Apocalypse Now. Around their head. Yeah! <laughs> Big Lord of the Flies or Rambo. Or people, whoa, let's go nuts, everybody go crazy, pull your pockets out like that, get your willy out, do that elephant thing. Yeah, whoa, the system's falling apart. But there's always three boffins sat in a row going, well, I think we should get on with that. <laughs> <laughs> this teacher is every bit as irritating as anyone that besmirched my bloody childhood. Look at him, he's a right oppressive tip. He's utterly relying on teaching cliches. Whoa, 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 like dramatising things. Uh, fingers on lips, that bell's for me, not for you. Right, <laughs> Gabby? Make sure your scissors are closed. Put those into the middle of the table. Two seconds to crumple paper. One. Two. It's all finished with. Put it in the middle of the table. A second, there it is. No, 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 no. Second later. <laughs> what was the whoa, whoa, whoa for? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like Band-Aid. Hey, Christmas time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what about that bit where he goes, OK, we've got two seconds for crumpling paper. Ooh. Ooh, paper crumpling. Thank you. Oh, tonight I'm going to crumple like it's 1999. <laughs> 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 crumpled paper, baby. Some of these teachers here, right, this is a collage of traditional and recognisable teaching archetypes. Like, oh, it's the nervous substitute teacher, it's the confident matey teacher. But amidst this lot, there is one I've never seen. Look out for him. I enjoyed physical education. Yeah, school. fancy that one, we had that one. At the age of 11, I always wanted to teach the subject. Yeah, we had a teacher like that. To teach drama. Yeah, she was insecure. Boring, we had him. I wanted to do a job that Yeah, we had one like that. Who's this guy? He's insane! Sean Penn from Carlito's Way. Have a look again and listen to him. Well, I only went into it, first of all, as a sort of a stopgap. Teaching was always a kind of stopgap. I was gun running in Ecuador. Had to move a hell of a lot of ice. Well, imagine having to go to parents' evening with that terrifying teacher. You're Julie's mum. She's a great girl. She's got rhythm. <laughs> Danny. Yeah, I like Danny. You can trust him. He's a good driver. <laughs> we call him Snake Eyes. Hey, do you want to do a bump? <laughs> Can't let him loose in front of children. Although... That bloke is clearly a weird and unusual teacher. I'd much rather have him, that sort of pimp, whore, puff daddy teacher, rather than look at this angry teacher. You know when you're at school and like a teacher sort of jabs your chest when they're telling you off and you can tell from the way they're telling you off that they've gone a little bit far and you think, oh, this shouldn't be happening to me. They jab you too hard and a little bit of wee-wee comes out. <laughs> look at this bloke here in this clip. He's meant to be the headmaster. 
His anger is not legitimate. He's completely gone through the looking glass and into his own anger about life. And the whole world that they inhabit seems to be from the Bash Street kids in the Vino. Right, Mount Reedy. I said I thought you ought to give a rendering for the rest of them, didn't I? So. And then you started arguing. And then, when I said, are you arguing with me, you had the frontery. <laughs> you had the affrontery. When you are angry with a child, try not to have any linguistic slip-ups. <laughs> Be concise. Frontery! You had the frontitude! You had the frontosaurus to frontify me! <laughs> and then he carries on and reveals he's got a kind of brute henchman's assistant stood kind of behind him. And he gets more and more angry and administers what can only be described as a misplaced punishment. I want something short and sharp for you, young man. You're obviously too full of yourself. Where's his PE towel? Uh, in the changing room, Master. I don't want to hold up the lesson. I want him to have a shower now. Cold shower, Master. Yes. Go outside. Wait for Mr. Daplin to join you. <laughs> Mr. Daplin, I've been expecting you. is it seems that that headmaster is grappling with some inner angst. I think that secretly he's in love with that boy. Like, really, if he had his own way, he'd be in that shower with him. <laughs> I want him to have a cold shower. I want him to be made thoroughly uncomfortable, but I don't want you to freeze him, all right? <laughs> I want you to take that boy up to the West End, dress him up, make him look a real treasure, but I don't want you to fuck him. <laughs> fighting a very powerful inner force within himself. And also, what's happened in the past with the whole shower-freezing situation? <laughs> Be careful. The Johnson boys' parents are starting to ask questions. <laughs> With teachers like that, the phenomenon of truancy is easily explained. This lad, Patrick Looney, right, which is a lovely name for a school child, can't be easy being Paddy Looney at a comprehensive <laughs> school, but he is a proper textbook truant. He talks like a 35-year-old entrepreneur, like, like, yeah, I've got other things to do, I can't get bogged down with it. And also, look at the first bit, how quickly he answers questions. Patrick Looney, raise the fast mind. How do you decide whether you're going to go to school or not go to school? Well, sometimes I decide at night or when I get up before I go to school or on the way to school, I just decide not to go. Do you know what makes that decision for you? No. We're in the morning now. What time will you leave for school today? We're going at 12. Why? Why? Oh, it's so boring. Got a lot of things, I've got lots of things to do and this place is just taking up my time. <laughs> this place is just taking up my time. I've looked at my day. There's this seven-hour period here. It was completely consumed by lessons. I could be getting a lot done. Pretending to my allotment, I've got business deals. <laughs> but if you look at Patrick Looney's domestic life, the problem behind his congenital disobedience becomes really, really obvious, right? Look at his mum, right? Here she is. She's got the physical appearance of Olive from on the buses, but the laconic attitude towards violence of a young Reginald Cray. The law says it's your responsibility as parents to get your children into school. Yeah. Does it worry you when the social workers come round and tell you that? At the beginning it did, but they can only take me out and shoot me, can't they? 
If they can only take me outside and shoot me. But you better make sure you get me with the first fucking bullet. Or you'll be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your fucking life. It's really funny, right? The way she approaches her parental obligations as well, right? Because surely, as a parent, the bare minimum you're going to do on a school day is mention to your child that it is a school day. She actually drums it into Patrick Looney. Have a look. You know, I keep drumming it into every day, more or less. Every day, more or less. <laughs> I said, Patrick, you better get yourself to school or someone's going to fucking kneecap you. <laughs> like, when I tried to do a bit of truant, it was always sort of problematic. Look at this, letter school. Listen to this. Uh, it's addressed to my mum, this letter, and she kept it kindly. <laughs> following, our, following our recent television... Following our recent telephone conversation... I can't read. I should have gone to school. I mean... <laughs> I'm beginning to see now the advantages. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, I would understand. What are these bizarre signifiers and shapes? <laughs> these peculiar hieroglyphs dance across the page. <laughs> there's a sort of a guy like that. Then there's a dog with a pointed face. Then it's just the sun. I mean, what does it all mean? <laughs> Following our recent telephone conversation at the end of last term, I feel I should write to you to express my concern about Russell's recent behaviour in school. <laughs> the most recent incident occurred in the final week of last term. Russell arrived late for school and then went home. <laughs> I phoned Russell at home that afternoon. Russell informed me that you were at home with him and that you were aware of everything that had happened earlier that <laughs> Subsequently, this was shown to be a lie. <laughs> Brand residence. <laughs> oh, hello, sir. No, 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 you can call any time. I'm always available to talk to you. <laughs> yes, my mum's here. She's here. Yeah, no, you can talk to her. Hello, I'm Russell's mum! <laughs> there you go, see, she's all right. Okay, love to the wife. Goodbye. Ta-ta. <laughs> Subsequently, this was shown to be a lie. A bloody obvious lie. Yeah, no, my mum's just over there. Can I talk to her? No. <laughs> Russell is a rather immature boy who craves attention. <laughs> his desire to be different manifests itself by wearing his hair in a ponytail. Ooh, crazy. <laughs> Childish behaviour and insolent towards members of staff. Well, I think, actually, there is the genesis of my entire career, right? <laughs> Stupid haircut, attention-seeking and childish behaviour. I've made a fortune! <laughs> Ponderland, we're talking about education. I myself was a bad teacher for about a year at a language school on Oxford Street, just a rubbish one. You know, if you're walking down Oxford Street or any busy street, they go, uh, Leaflet, do you want to learn English? You want to learn English? I am English! <laughs> it's sort of an unbelievable situation because after like a week's training of just like, okay, you read this book at the students, they just go, okay, well, here's your first class, let you into the classroom with. Beautiful girls from around the world! <laughs> I will stress at this point that the uh, students were adults. They were legit <laughs> adult students. It was really irresponsible the way I did it. Like, sometimes, like, uh, well, one occasion when it was like summer, I used to take them out of the school in the West End of London, take them to Soho Square and, like, smoke dope with them and stuff. Like, hey, I'm a really cool teacher. I'm the cool, approachable teacher. Can I fuck you? <laughs> 
And then, like, eventually, instead of being grateful for my cool attitude, I was grassed up by some rat kid who wanted to learn English or something, <laughs> right? And, like, when they found out, all the administrators found out, and I had to get all, like, the different students together and coordinate a lie between, sort of, 12 people from around the world. Like, that one's from Iceland, that one's from Brazil, that one's Colombian, he's from Denmark. Right, OK, you're going to get asked some questions in a minute. I want you to say this. Don't say that. Admit that information. Exaggerate that, right? But because I've been a really, really shit teacher, none of them understood a thing I was saying. <laughs> We, the public, never stop requiring information and education. Look at this public information film about atomic bombs. Clearly, the idea is just to give the American population some slender thread of hope to cling to in the event of a nuclear attack, which will, of course, obliterate all human life. Here they are on their way to school on a beautiful spring day. But no matter where they go or what they do, they always try to remember what to do if the atom bomb explodes right then. It's a bomb, duck and cover. Paul and Patty know what to do. Paul covered the back of his head so that he wouldn't get burned. And Patty covered herself with the coat she was carrying. Reports from Hiroshima and Nagasaki indicate very clearly that it's pretty easy to avoid atomic fallout. Oh my God, there's been a nuclear attack. Right, where's that cocktail umbrella? <laughs> One clever guy held a shoe above his head. If they had been at this doorway when the bomb flashed, Paul and Patty would have ducked and covered this way, like this girl. Brilliant. Suggests that the horror of nuclear attack can be averted and negated by standing in a doorway. Oh, my God, there it is, the mushroom cloud. Do you excuse me? <laughs> Thank God that's over. This clip shows a school visit from an incompetent policeman who's clearly been sidelined because he's rubbish at doing normal police duties. And he's teaching kids about vandals, right? And the children respond to this in a surprisingly knowledgeable fashion, right? But Ken Young, the policeman, instead of rewarding them for their knowledge, gets really bogged down in etymology of language and semantics. No, no, we've got to be linguistically accurate here. We've seen the film about vandalism of a telephone box. Now, can somebody tell me what a vandal is? It's somebody that wrecks things. So it's somebody that wrecks something, is it? Mm. What's your view of a vandal? Other people upsetting the public. Upsetting the public could be. What I'm going to do is to read you a piece of what, what an actual vandal is. A vandal is one of a Teutonic race from the shores of the Baltic <laughs> that overran Gaul, Spain and North Africa and Rome in the 5th century, so that's 400 and something. Very helpful. It's very helpful. PC Young, PC Young, some vandals are destroying your car. What? A Teutonic race of Bavarian soldiers? PC Young, some thugs are hanging about by the phone box. What? A Hindu cult of blood-drinking warriors? <laughs> officer! Officer! I've just seen a nonce in the playground! An empty filler of metrical composition or a continuous stretch of time? That's right. He's fucked him now. 
If you don't dedicate enough time to learning, you could end up like this individual. Very typical example of a British man who ain't been properly educated, travelling abroad. This man has gone to the Orient. He should never have been allowed to leave Romford, right? And when he tries to explain English to someone who doesn't speak English, he thinks, what'll make this easier is if I break language down to its component parts that it's just tiny little sounds. Hello? Uh, yes, do you, have you got an ironing service? An ironing service? Ironing service? No, ironing. Ironing! No, 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 no. no. Ironing. ironing. You know we use iron clothes, ironing board iron? To take the creases out of the clothes? I R. No, I R O N. I N. G. I on ing. I on ing. I on ing. Like I do on my clothes forever. But eventually, this brilliant technique of microscopic language analysis will get through to them. I'm confident of that. Have. No, have. Have. You. Got an ironing service. Right, can you, is there anyone there who speaks English? Fuck me, get someone who speaks English. I like they actually made them regress <laughs> to the point they didn't understand have anymore. Have! Have! Why would you have something? in this country continues to be a controversial subject. Some people feel, don't give them no sexual education. It'll make them go out and do more of the old house your father monkey business up each other's was names. But because of this ignorance, you get letters to agony aunts like this twit's written. And for instance, I heard from, from one chap who the first time he masturbated to a climax when he was 14 actually thought he'd broken his penis. He thought it had burst. <laughs> He thought it had burst. <laughs> How did that boy maintain his ignorance for long enough to write the letter, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and send it to an agony aunt? It's like, <laughs> oh, God, my God, what have I done? I must immediately write a letter to an agony aunt. I've broken my penis, I think. It's burst. But there, 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 seal the envelope with that comes in handy. Pop the stamp on it, send it off. Oh my god, look at her, she's gorgeous. <laughs> it's broken again! <laughs> this is lovely bit of sex education here. It's boys talking about what qualifies a girl to be a slag. But you start to get the impression that they're just enjoying saying the word slag and being like, oh, we can say slag, we're allowed to say slag. So like, eventually their remit of what a slag is becomes so ludicrously broad, it becomes a synonym for living being. Slag, well, the slag's a girl that she goes around, say, oh, I don't know, loads and loads of boys. She just goes around having casual sex with everyone. She, 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 she don't care. She don't mind being called a fucking slag. She just goes around having sex with everyone. Is or you just call her a slag. A slag. Call slags for all, all different kinds of reasons. Um, rejecting her. Yeah, yeah, if she rejects you, you get called a slag. She's like, oh, if you want to get older, and she says, no, yeah, I go away, you little slag. 
<laughs> whatever. Girls can dress to be called slaves. Yeah. They have to dress. They don't, they don't have to dress, but some dress to be called slaves, even though they don't know it. But I mean, I might go out now and see a bird walking down there. Just call her a slag. You just call everyone a slag. Call them all slags! You're all slags! You're a slag! You're a slag! He's like Scarface Tony Montana approached the slag. Slag, 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 slag! You're all slags! Girl can dress to be called a slag. I mean, she might not know it, but she's a slag. That's not very fair. Ah, oh, the last day of term. You can bring toys in. You can wear your own clothes. Too much pressure. Too much pressure. Just don't have school that day. I mean, stay at home. If it's not proper school, won't fucking come. <laughs> this next piece as last day of term insanity written all over it, right? They've decided, oh, it's the last day of term. Let's have a jaunty game of blind date, right? But the paradigm of actual blind date is built upon a lexicon of innuendo and cheeky banter and is actually rather adult. And it's all funny when it's with grown-ups, but if you sort of suddenly deploy that among children, it becomes very, very unpleasant. And this teacher is trying to get through this fiasco of double entendre just with one facial expression. Ooh, ooh, and a wig. A slightly risque version of Blind Date is being held to raise money for a new minibus. There's one minute to go before break-ins and I want to buy a cream bun. How would you help me get to the front of the queue? Who needs a cream bun when I'm around and you can lick the cream off me anytime? <laughs> You bloody rascal! Oh, he can lick the cream off me any time. Disgusting! That's too rude. And why is that boy to our cream bun in like the year 2000? I am going to get a cream bun. That's ridiculous. He will be getting a cream bun. I'm playing a lovely game of cup and ball. Oh, you can put your balls in my cup any day. This one crosses the line of common decency in my mind. If you could choose to be any character in a pantomime, which character would you be? I'd be the cat in Dick Whittington and you can be Dick and rub me throughout the performance. <laughs> oh! Oh, Dick! Oh! I'm glad I weren't at that school, right, because I wouldn't have understood the acceptable level of innuendo. I'd have got confused and ruined it. What would you do if I offered to do your gardening? Would you... I'll spunk up in your face! <laughs> you had to spoil it, didn't you? We were going to have a Laura Laura laugh. 